And welcome back, everyone, to the Tales Never Fails podcast. I am your host. I am your producer, super producer, being at Brands 5 I'm back in action here after a little uh, recap. I took off, you know, and Parker filled in just finally. And joining me through the airways is the one and only Parker Hurley. Parks, how you been? How you doing? Thanks for filling in. Hey, I'm not doing too bad. Welcome back. And uh, yeah, you know, first you make me host one. Now you make me do one a day early. I mean, to go to Florida while I sit here in the oh, rain. Yeah. Like, what, what kind of raw deal am I getting here? Yeah, it's on me. It's on me. Yeah, if you didn't know, guys, some of this one's a little early. So, you know, it's usually on Thursday. This one came out a little Wednesday. Sorry, I'm kind of working Parker a little hard here, but yeah. Yeah, it's probably better for the listeners. They get to hear, you know, some of this analysis early into the week for them. That is true. Yeah, maybe they'll appreciate it. Send us your feedback. <laughs> All right. Well, um, you uh, did a nice little recap of week three, but now we move into week four here. Uh, we have two buys. I think it's the, what is it? Redskins and Panthers. Yeah, I think so, yep. Okay, so those are two buys. So we have one last game this week. But let's move into the matchups here. We'll start with nice little one o'clock. So we have the undefeated Ryan Tannehill. Miami Dolphins rolling in the New England. New England is 1-2 on the season, I believe, right? Yep. Record? Yeah, wow. Um, the spread is minus 6.5 New England, and the over-under is 48. Parks, uh, I mean, New England coming off a, just a brutal loss to uh, – uh, the Lions here on Sunday, or the, was that Sunday night? Sunday night. Yeah, Sunday night. I mean, uh, you're probably looking for a little rebound here, but you're also looking for that Sunday night. So what are we looking at here? Right. And I was kind of saying how on, you know, even on Sunday night football, you should have been looking even more to the fact that it was the 0-2 Lions, you know. And and if you're looking at the Patriots, they're probably saying, you know, well, we lost to the Jaguars. And I even said on the one podcast that they were probably going to be a little vanilla against the Jaguars in week two and you know you lose that game so maybe they weren't feeling it you know maybe it's kind of like pittsburgh ties against cleveland and they weren't feeling the effects of the loss and then kansas city kind of beats on them or detroit kind of beats on them and now you know they're kind of in the pittsburgh spot pretty much of you know people are starting to question them you know the gronk trade rumors are you know popping up here and there and you know all of you know is this the end i could go through you know because i don't have the same recollection of pittsburgh steelers as the patriots but i could go through probably the past five seasons of that this is the end Patriots. I mean, uh, I work for full press coverage, which is ran by two Patriots fans, actually. And one of the, the main owner guys, Ian Glendon, uh, tweets Rob Parker. I think he has like four clips. It's like a two-minute video of Rob Parker every year declaring the end of Tom Brady. And he says, it's going to fall off, and it's going to fall off, and it's going to fall off. And I even said in the first podcast that you can't, it doesn't just fall off like that. It just doesn't. I haven't seen anything in the first three weeks to make me say, it is falling off. I think we all understand that it's a playmaker thing. It's the fact that you're doubling Gronk. Nobody on the outside is getting any separation. Um, they thought, you know, uh, Isaiah Wynn, they drafted him in the first round, probably thought that was going to help the O-line. Drafted Sonny Michelle in the first round, probably thought that was going to help the running game. You know, Rex Burkhead's on the IR. So, you know, they're missing some stuff and they're trying to fit that in. And that, you know, if they could figure it out, they're going to be fine. So Josh Gordon's practicing. And, you know, Edelman's not going to be back this week, but you slowly get him back. Um, I said Burkhead's out, and that's tough, but, you know, you can do white. And if Michelle could get going a little bit more, I know there's, you know, some big, you know, Boston Media is just throwing Sonny Michelle right under the bus right now for his first two games with the team. But the fact of the matter is, like, I, I think I said on the preview or the recap podcast, it's his first two games with the team. Let's all settle down a little bit. This is a good matchup against Miami in terms of running the football. 
in establishing the middle of the field with Rob Gronkowski. They're probably going to double. They're probably going to get Mika Fitzpatrick on him. But that is a rookie, you know, kind of taking over the top on Rob Gronkowski. So it's going to be interesting. Then, I mean, you look at what Miami's done so far this year. Uh, they beat Tennessee. And I talked about you don't even look too hard into that Tennessee game because they had the four-hour weather delay or whatever, you know, multiple weather delays. Um, they were the home team. You know, they probably get the benefit, you know, just doesn't really matter too much to me. Uh, they get the Jets off of Monday Night Football, who are just you know feeling themselves like crazy. And I talked about on that how they turned the ball over early. They turned or they didn't capitalize right before the half, and they turned the ball over late. And you know, no wonder Miami gets away with that win. And then the Oakland Raiders. I talked about you got to expect Miami to come back in the second half against the Raiders. I bookmarked that game completely, called that one. So you can't buy into what this team has done because the other teams are kind of just falling all over themselves in front of them. Um, does New England have the propensity to fall over themselves? Like I said, due to their, they don't have great skill players, maybe, but um, it's just too tough to buy into. You know, even if you know Xavier Howard would be a great matchup, even if he's on Josh Gordon, it's tough to buy into too much because Miami, I think, is or I mean, uh, New England, I think, is in a, even a much better spot than they were just last week. Uh, Trey Flowers practiced today. Patrick Chung practiced today. You're probably looking real hard into what both of those two can do. But if you get those two back, I mean, you're probably teasing New England with somebody. And yeah, I mean, it's New England or pass here because it's, yeah, it's the nobody believes in us Patriots now. And I, I just kind of, you know, I just did it with the Steelers. I think it's the same situation. Yeah, have fun with the no, nobody believes uh, Patriots because they usually just come out and stomp people. So, Yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be real tough for Miami. Very curious to see if Josh Gordon plays as well. All right, well, let's move on to the next guy. As we go up to Indy here, as My Little Ponies host the uh, 0-3 Texans, uh, Andy Luck and the boys are minus two favorites, and the over-under is 46.5. Parker, both these teams are coming off a loss here. Both could definitely use a win. I mean, uh, Bill O'Brien's definitely on the hot seat for the Texans. What are we looking at here? Yeah, this one's like conflicting for me because I'm kind of, you know, I'm buying the Colts, I'm selling the Texans. And I was, you know, before the season and through the first three weeks of the season, and nobody else was buying the Colts and nobody else was selling the Texans. But now kind of everybody's buying the Colts and everybody's selling the Texans. You know what I mean? So it's like, damn, you know, kind of just lost all the value that we just had there. And, you know, it's tough because if you look historically – not just teams that are 0-3, teams that are 0-3 against the spread are really good in that fourth week because Vegas starts to get, you know, they're like, you know what, we can't lose money for the fourth straight week. So, you know, they're going to jack the lineup, this and that. And, you know, it was actually minus two on Houston last week. Now it's minus two on Indianapolis. So you're not really getting any line value. But, I mean, you still can't really convince me to take the Houston Texans. And it's still because I, I'm buying into the Colts a little bit and I'm selling the Texans at this point. Uh, you know, the matchup you're looking for if you're going to back the Texans is that their wide receivers should really just go off on their cornerbacks. And I said that I'm looking for somebody to test Malik Hooker deep. And I said Carson Wentz tried it, you know, barely, but he tried it once and Malik had a pretty good play. But it's got to happen in this game. I mean, Deshaun Watson has to let it rip. They were trying, like I said in that, they were trying to do three-step drop, quick pass, you know. That's just not who he is. And, you know, if it's an ACL thing, I don't know. I don't know what to tell him, but, you know, they have to figure it out with tech, with uh, Deshaun. And he has to try and move the football down the field against this team. Because if they don't, then it's going to be, you know, how I really would assume it's going to be. It's just, yeah, this 0-3 Texans team all or nothing. They have a great matchup with the receivers. They can move the football. Um, the Indianapolis has struggled against the run a little bit so far. Wendell Smallwood had a decent little game. And, you know, Joe Mixon kind of had a pretty big game. But uh, yeah, and then you look at the Colts, uh, they have some issues at right tackle. J.J. Watt could really, 
he's he's having a huge year you know it's kind of being undermined by the fact that uh that that they're zero and three, but he's having a huge year right now, and he's going to be on the right side. And I say I love the left side, and if they could get Costanzo back on the left side, it would just be a huge addition. But they, you know, the Texans could probably do some damage on the right side of the offensive line. It's just like I said, you can't get me to believe, you know, right now Deshaun Watson, whether it's confidence, whatever it is, he's struggling. I don't know if they're going to attack the middle of the field. I don't know if they're going to be able to run the ball like they should be able to in this game because their offensive line is just so bad. And you look at Marcus Hunt, you know, right in the middle, could have a decent little game. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, though, you're looking at, you know, Luck's doing the same old stuff and he's going to have to do the same old stuff. Their cornerbacks aren't very good in Houston, but Luck's going to be able to move the ball with the quick passes and everything. So um, it's, it's tough to say. I would like to say under because, like I said, I, I don't trust Watson. I don't trust, you know, how are they going to move the ball consistently and Luck's going to dink and dunk it. But at the same time, Watson has to air it out deep. You know, he has to in this game or else they're going to lose. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, with luck, they might just be throwing those quick passes, but they also are probably going to be matriculating down the field. So, you know, you're probably looking at like a 24-20 type of game. And that's why I'm, I'm probably looking into the under in this one. But I'm just I'm still trying to decide, you know, really what it is with Watson. And is he going to try and test his team deep and what's going to happen? when he does because right now all he's getting is garbage time stats so you know is he going to force garbage time and you know kind of screw this under over um that's what i'm going to be looking for in the next couple days probably and as for luck i mean he hasn't really been completing passes downfield but he has been throwing them downfield i'm you've been watching the all 22 on colts uh, did you see like is he throwing it downfield is he throwing with power and stuff yeah his throws downfield haven't been too great is kind of what the issue has been he's just been missing on you know T.Y. Hilton, I think I said in week one that he, you know, he kind of had a chance to break the game open. Yeah. Or he might have even been in a comeback spot. And he uh, he had T.Y. and missed him. And yeah, I mean, the Colts or the uh, the Eagles game, it was pretty clear that, you know, the weather conditions were really, you know, affecting both both quarterbacks. Not that, you know, it helped me with the under. It was a big reason I was on the under. So he wasn't really letting it rip in that game. But, you know, I think you're back in a dome now. And I said, I said it was week four to six is when you would probably expect it. So... This, this is when you, you know, yeah, so you have to start to think about it. And that's, you know, why I'm kind of swaying, you know, do I take the under or not? It's really, yeah, both quarterbacks and how much are they going to let it rip, you know, on both sides for varying reasons. Yeah, we'll see. All right, let's move on to a interconference battle here. As we have the surprising 2-1 um, AFC North leading Bengals, I believe. Uh, rolling down to Hotlanta as the Atlanta Falcons come off a devastating loss to the Saints. Uh, Atlanta is minus five in the, the over-under. Believe it or not, it's 52, but both these teams can definitely score your parts. So what are we looking at? Yeah, and I want to add for the last, for the Andy Luck, that you know everyone's making something about he they pulled him for the Hail Mary, but Jacoby Brissett is known for, like, he has the strongest arm. Everybody knows that. Can, like, yeah. yeah, that's what he got drafted for. And like I said, it was raining. And yeah, Luck isn't, sure, he's not rip, letting it rip, but I'm not saying, like, oh my God, that's crazy. I'm not, like, too freaked out about that. I think, like I said, it's probably week four to six anyway, so I think we're, we're just around there anyways. But mo- yeah, moving on to this one. I do kind of think it's going to be a shootout. It's just at this point you have to look into, um, you know, who's going to be healthy for Cincinnati. Uh, you know, I talked about Dr. Chow every episode now, and he was saying that he thought Mixon could get back this week. And Marv was hinting that Mixon could get back this week. Marv was hinting that a lot of good things could happen this week. But uh, one thing I've known from gambling for a long time now is Marv's a liar. <laughs> There's just no doubt about it. 
So there was one year uh, they shut AJ Ground, AJ Green down for the season. He was like, "Oh, he'll be back next week," and it was like for five straight weeks, just this running joke of Marvin Lewis just standing up and lying to people about it. Um, you know, but he said that Green's going to be back. He said that Mixon's going to be back. He said that Billy Price is, I think he said better than you would think or something like that. But yeah, it's just like you got to. I definitely got to wait until like Friday to see because those are just huge names. They're just the biggest of the big names for you know what makes Andy Dalton tick. I've already said that you know I don't buy Andy Dalton. I buy Andy Dalton's playmakers and skill players. You know that's all of them. And I've already talked about bad offensive lines don't travel, and that's what had me off of them against Carolina. And it could be the same thing in a dome for the one and two Falcons. You know, coming off a loss with a big Grady Jarrett in the middle. You know, uh, then you look even more to the the Bengals. Uh, Glasgow tore his ACL, their defensive tackle, and Michael Johnson's been out. So I talked about how they rotate eight or nine guys. All of a sudden, it's down to, you know, uh, six or seven guys. So all of a sudden, that's an issue. And we've already talked about how Christian McCaffrey was going to beat them up with the, you know, uh, plays out of the backfield. Tevin Coleman's probably going to do the same thing on turf without the speed that the Bengals have in their linebacker unit. So that's kind of a big mismatch. And then you have uh, Calvin Ridley is going to probably take on Dre, Dre, Dre Kirkpatrick. Yeah, I was thinking Mika Fitzpatrick, but Trey Kirkpatrick. Who, Kirkpatrick is like a bigger, more physical guy. Uh, Calvin Ridley's this short little, you know, speedster. I really think that if you get those two in a mismatch, they're probably going to have to, you know, some people have been talking about it. I talked about it before the year. You get Darquez Denard out there. That's really the only remedy you could have in terms of, speed for Calvin Ridley, you know, especially on this turf. Um, but, you know, you look at this, you know, yeah, the Fa- the Falcons could probably light this team up, but the uh, the Falcons are also missing their safeties. They lost Keanu Neal a couple weeks ago. They added Ricardo Allen. I talked about how I like Kazee, but I was just reading something that they were saying they might move Brian Poole, the slot cornerback, to free safety and keep Kazee in the box. I kind of think Kazee would be nice over the top and then uh, – you could, I don't know, maybe find somebody like Eric Reed, but no, no one's going to do that. But Brian, they're going to put Brian Poole away from the slot, and that's going to have a huge hole in the slot. And this comes back to my idea of if AJ Green plays, you can put him in the slot, you can put Tyler Boyd in the slot, you can do a lot of things in the slot. Um, if AJ Green doesn't play, it's a lot of Alex Erickson in the slot, and that doesn't affect the team nearly as much as it should. Um, kind of the same thing with uh, with the Joe Mixon, Gio Bernard. You could really kill this team in the passing game, in the flats with Joe Mixon. Um, where are you going to get it? So really, it's you know, it's probably Bengals and over. I I just don't know about their health at all, and I I couldn't bet into the Bengals right now. You know, because like I said, Marvin Lewis is just. He's a psychopathic so liar. <laughs> yeah. So I don't buy into that. And, you know, if, if all if all of a sudden, especially if Billy Price is out, I start to get really concerned, you know, especially because this line opened higher than I thought it was going to open. But then you look back to it and, you know, Carolina was minus three against Cincinnati at home and uh, Atlanta was minus six against Carolina at home. So Carolina should be or Cincinnati should be getting six in this spot. So it's interesting. And there's, yeah, it's really just looking into the practice reports for the next couple of days and then figuring it out from there. Yeah, it'd be very interesting to see if Mixon and or uh, AJ play here. And what should be a shootout? And uh, two surprising uh, games they had were from Boyd and uh, Calvin Ridley. So that'd be a nice little fun, fun little game to watch here. Yeah, definitely an over candidate on that turf. It's just, yeah, looking into, you know, who's in and who's out and everything like that. Yeah, no doubt. All right, well, let's circle the wagons and uh, get to see what the Buffalo Bills are playing here. <laughs> As Josh Allen and uh, the uh, newly founded uh, got to win Buffalo Bills with uh, are moving up to uh, Green Bay here to play the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. 
Aaron Rodgers coming off a tough loss here against Washington. They are big favorites, minus 9.5. Um, it did open at 10.5, though, and the over-under is 45.5. So, Parks, we have Josh Allen in Lambeau to play Aaron Rodgers here. The giant spread. I mean, uh, Shady, he said he's going to play with those cracked ribs. Right. Um, but uh, And Green Bay is coming off a loss. So what are we looking at? I'm still looking right back to Buffalo to kind of become who we thought they were. And I've talked about how I thought that was more of a look-ahead spot. I thought it was, you know, a little Dustin Mears, a little of, you know, Minnesota had some miscommunication breakdowns. Kirk Cousins was just fumbling the ball. Um, Jerry Hughes had a huge game, and Jerry Hughes is an impact player, but now he gets David Bakhtiari, who's, you know, one of the better left tackles in the NFL. So I'm kind of looking for, you know, the comeback down-to-earth Bills. And, you know, if the spread was 14 and a half just last week before the Bills did what they did. And, you know, if Minnesota even just won that game and didn't even cover the 17 and a half point spread, that spread's still probably even growing out to 17 because we all just want to fade the Bills. But, you know, now we're just a little bit scared. And, um, yeah, I mean, all of a sudden that's under 10. And I've always said I don't like 10 or I don't like laying 10 in the NFL. But I'm going to start to look into this game. But, you know, you look to the Packers injury report. Um, Kevin King, I talked about, I wasn't sure if it was benching or injury. It looks like it's an injury because he didn't practice today. Uh, I don't think Wilkerson's going to play probably the rest of the year. I don't know if Jimmy Graham's going to play this week, which would just be a huge mismatch um, over the middle of the field against what the Bills could bring to the table in, in this young uh, linebacker core. But, you know, if, if he's not in, that's a huge that's a huge letdown for them. Um, Justin McCray, he's a link wink or a, a weak link at guard. But if he's out, then you know all of a sudden you're getting even worse at, at you know your worst offensive line spot. And then Nick Perry has a concussion, so you know you're looking into all of that. Brian Bulaga, um, he was limited. He has some injury concerns, and Josh Jones has some injury concerns. So um, there's there's a lot to look into for the Packers. That's probably why it's why it's sinking down a little bit. And that's why I haven't, you know, taken it or, you know, I'm looking, looking at it, but I'm definitely looking to the Packers here. And I mean, Randall Cobb in the slot, Adam Thielen had a huge second half when Kirk Cousins woke the hell up. And um, I'm thinking you could do the same thing with Randall Cobb in this game. And I'm thinking that, you know, it's, it kind of is the same old bills. It's just, they, they really woke up for the spot. You know, now you get them in back to back road games, feeling themselves against Aaron Rodgers, and you don't even have to lay 10. It kind of feels pretty good. It's just, you know, I did go through a whole list of names that were injured on the Packers' side of the ball, and that's really where you're going to be looking to at this point. Yeah, I mean, you'd expect Packers to come out swinging here after that tough loss, but, I mean, Josh Allen maybe gained some confidence. But, uh, you know, maybe a little tease action because that 9.5 is a little high, you know, maybe the Pats Packers. Yeah, and like uh, you could say what you want about Josh Allen. I even said it. You can look it up on his next gen stats. He didn't complete a single pass to the left side of the field. So, you know, he was a, a little screen pass to the tight end goes for 50. You know, a little dump off to the running back goes for 25. He does that leap play. You know, if you can put whatever you want into those, you know, three big plays and call them, you know, game breaking moments. But yeah, I'm not buying into Josh. If he if he went into Green Bay and won. That would be incredible. So, yeah, definitely, uh, yeah, three-team teaser because you could get him all the way down to pick him and, you know, find something else. I would be so surprised if he, if Josh Allen went and did that. I think we have to declare him king of the north if he goes up there and take him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would have to just, like, change my entire thoughts on him. <laughs> or, or the offensive coordinator. I would be like, what is this guy doing? Yeah, he's doing some fucking magic. Right? All right, let's move down to the big D here as we got the uh, – Detroit Lions, uh, plus three against the Cowboys here. Uh, the Cowboys with a tough loss to the Hawks last week. And the Lions, obviously, with that nice Sunday night victory over the Patriots. 
Um, injury wise, I don't see anything big. Um, any thoughts on this one, Parks? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of looking Detroit here, and I think that you know maybe that Monday night, whatever you know, Patricia wasn't prepared. I don't know what happened in that game, but maybe you're starting to think. You know, that was more of an aberrate, admiration of, you know, or an, versus anything else. I always say there's a, a wonky week one game. I always assume it's the late game. Maybe it was the early one for the Lions and they kind of threw you off a little bit. But I mean, you look into their secondary and, you know, at, at first I said against the 49ers and I thought, you know, maybe they're getting a little grabby, you know, out of desperation. And you could say maybe it's the same thing against the New England uh Patriots last week, but I mean, Darius Slay is a pretty good player. Um, Quandre Diggs is just having a huge impact. They moved him from cornerback to safety because he can kind of move into the slot and he can play free and he can play strong and so can Glover Quinn. So you can do a lot of mixing and matching within there. And then, I mean, you know, that's a good matchup. But, you know, oh, the Patriots didn't really have receivers. Oh, the 49ers don't really have good receivers. Well, neither does Dallas. So it's, you know, it's not too big of a deal in this regard. So you're not, you know, you're not too worried about that. And then you look on the other side of the football. Um, finally, I mean, praise the Lord, you know, whatever, whoever you praise your whatever's to, uh, carry on Johnson played and he got a hundred yards. And if they go back to LeGarrette Blunt and Theo Riddick over carry on Johnson, I'll lose my freaking mind. Dang. But uh, I, I honestly think that this is, you know, it's the start of something here. And they could get on Johnson involved. And, you know, you think they have these three excellent wide receivers. Um, they have no tight end and they never really had a running back. So you can't highlight these receivers in the way that you want to. But now if you could get on Johnson going, you could get some Theo Riddick action involved with on Johnson on the field because you can throw to both of them. Um, you could even do a little LeGarrette Blount if you wanted to. But, uh, you know, Theo Riddick, I think, would gain value by carrying on Johnson being that, you know, ultimate weapon because, you know, Galladay's a big slot player and, you know, Riddick's kind of a shiftier slot player. So you could get those two, you know, to mix and match with players. And then you look at Dallas and Sean Lee's out and, you know, um, I don't have the stats on me, but if you look at Dallas without Sean Lee, um, it's really bad. Typically they drafted Leighton Vander Esch specifically for this situation. I mentioned that he played pretty well in his rookie debut against Seattle, but we're not putting too much stock into what Seattle's offense can do. Especially, you know, in terms of can they spread you out and can they rip you apart like like this uh, like this Detroit Lions team can do. So, I mean, I've, I've said it for a while now and I was on the Giants a couple weeks ago because I don't think Dallas has much of a home field advantage. But, you know, that was primetime spot, 0-1, all that. You know, they are 1-2. Um, the Lions are coming off their first win of the season. But I kind of think this is more of, you know... Maybe they just, you know, they slipped to start and now they're getting their footing a little bit more where, you know, I kind of think Dallas is who I think they are. You know, you look, everyone's kind of talking up Dallas's defense. They lost Sean Lee. And who did they really play this season? Carolina, who, you know, maybe their offense is a little better than, than I'm thinking, but, you know, still tough to really say, you know, Carolina's this great offense that Dallas shut down and they lost that game anyways. Um, and they shut down the Giants at home who, you know, we all kind of saw just, you know, the Giants just fell all over themselves. And they, you know, they gave up 24 to Seattle, you know, who I've, I've mentioned multiple times, just isn't a good offense. I know a great spot for Seattle, all that, but um, so tough for me to buy into Dallas in any regard. So, I mean, I'm getting three on a team with, you know, is not really known for their home field advantage in Dallas and Detroit plays in a dome no matter what. So, yeah, I mean, if, if you're going to spread them out, if you're going to spread Dallas out, I don't think that Dallas can keep up it anyway, so I'm definitely looking for Detroit in this one. Um, all right, uh, 43 and a half. Any thoughts on the over under there? I think it's like right on par. Yeah, because I would like to go over because I really think you know if Detroit could spread this team out, they could figure it out. But 
Dallas is getting David Irving back. Um, as much as I want to look into the home field advantage, it's not like Detroit is going to, you know, like when the Steelers play against Dallas, it's almost like a Steelers home game situation. When Detroit plays Dallas, it's, you know, it's not really that same kind of vibe. So you wonder about can that offensive line get going against, you know, the Dallas defensive line. I might spend some time looking into uh, the Dallas defensive line this week. And, you know, because if, if Dallas def- defensive line plays well, you're probably going under all the way, you know, Lions get out to an early lead and kind of just hang on to this one. But um, the the thing is, yeah, actually more that I think about this one, you have to look under in this one because it's really, I mean, Dallas isn't going to put up anything, especially like I said, I think Detroit's secondary is pretty good. And then you have, um, you know, how much can Detroit really put up on Dallas to the point where this thing actually goes over, you know, like 28-17 is like as crazy as, as this thing could get. Is What's that right around the, that's actually over, huh? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I still have some work to do on that one. <laughs> All right, just quick thoughts. Yeah, but that, that's where I'm kind of standing right now is how I'm kind of looking at it, like a 28-17 type of game. All right, there it is. Um, all right, let's move on to the next game here. Uh, two teams coming off uh, losses here. The Jets <laughs> losing to the Browns, which the team hasn't done that in a uh, long time. And the Jaguars with a tough loss to the Titans in a game that was very odd. Um, Jacksonville may get Lenny back. I'm not sure. We'll see. But uh, they are seven and a half point favorites, and that defense gets to go against Sammy Donald. Um, Parks, we got Sammy Donald versus a very tough defense. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, uh, my dude, Doctor Chow, was saying that Fournette's probably going to play, so I trust him. We'll see what he. We'll see what happens Josh as the Chow. week goes on. He's the man, man. I just I got to plug him every time because he's so good. Nice. But uh, you know, this is kind of a spot for me for the Jets because. Um, you know, you look at them, they go all out on Monday night football, um, get that big win, but then they have that short week against Miami. And I talked about how I'm not really buying Miami because I thought the Jets lost that more than Miami won. And it wasn't a great spot for them on the road, traveling all that. Um, you go from that to a short week at Cleveland, you know, and actually the Jets showed up, they forced, you know, like I said, in that, uh, you know, if it wasn't for injury, Tyrod Taylor might ended up getting pulled anyways because of what the Jets defense was doing to them. And, you know, I said that, you know, with all these short week, you know, two short weeks in a row, um, a lot of travel, you're not prepared for Baker Mayfield to really come in there in any way whatsoever. And so, yeah, he kind of just did his, you know, thing against that defense. So I'm not, you know, killing the defense for blowing that lead. And I think that, you know, with Thursday night football, they have a lot of time to prepare for this game. And I've talked about how I don't think the Jaguars are the best coach team. They're more of a, you know, a star talent athleticism team. So, you know, with the Jets with a little bit of time to prepare, you're, you're at least a little bit interested with that. Um, the one thing that I don't really like about the Jets is the fact that they don't have any pass rush. And there was something on The Athletic highlighting how Leonard Williams didn't really have a great game against Cleveland. And, you know, if you can't get him going against that, uh, because this is a great front for the Jacksonville Jaguars, they might just run all over this team and, you know, they're probably going to control the clock in that regard. And you're probably looking under in that regard, but you're, def- you know, they might just get out and, you know, beat the Jets, you know, like 31 seven type of game, just like, you know, 28 seven by controlling the clock, just running the football down their throats. Um, but, you know, Avery Williamson was a nice addition for the Jets. Um, Darren Lee's having a pretty good year up the middle. So, you know, if they can stuff the run, you know, if, if Leonard Williams shows up and they can stuff the run, you really can buy into the Jets with this with this uh, plus seven and a half. But you're kind of looking into that. Um, Perry Nickerson in the slot's probably going to start this week uh, because Buster Screen is out. But I actually like that. You know, a lot of uh, fantasy people are saying, you know, go after him, go after uh, 
D.D. Westbrook in fantasy this week, you know, DFS. But I'm not sure yet because I think Nickerson, you know, he was a dog at Tulane and, you know, he's undersized, but I think he was, uh, he ran like a 4-3-1 at the combine. So, you know, he can get deep with D.D. Westbrook and play him deep in that regard. So, you know, that's kind of what the, what the Jaguars are doing is, you know, if Fournette is healthy, I'm kind of assuming at this point that Fournette's going to play is you just run the football up the middle. And like I said, maybe the Jets have the remedy for that. Maybe they don't. And then you kind of, you know, try and pop it over the top with them. Um, I'm pretty sure Drew Man- Truman Johnson is healthy. And he's just a physical presence who would just kind of swallow these Jaguars receivers. Um, arguably the same with Claiborne. It depends on their status. But then, like I said, if Nickerson could really get going, um, the other addition is Marcus Mays potentially back, or he practiced at least this week. That really completes the secondary. You know, that's the Jets' uh, second draft pick last year who, you know, compliments Jamal Adams. So um, I'm kind of looking into the Jets at this point, definitely looking into the under. Um, I know it's really low, but, you know, the fact of the matter is, even with the extra time, you have Darnold at the Jaguars' defense. Um, They're probably going to turn him over. And that's honestly, in my opinion, probably how the Jaguars even win this game is that, you know, they get a couple turnovers, you know, 24. Like I said, it was maybe 24-7 and, you know, it gets out of your hand. But if, um, you know, if you could just hang on to this game, control the clock, everything like that, um, probably looking into the Jets, we'll see about it. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Yeah, we'll see here. Both coming off the loss, both definitely want to win. But let's move on. Um, we got uh, Ryan Fitz Tragic, as he was last week. Well, he turned the Ryan Fitz Magic, is uh, rolling up to Chicago as the Bears get a, squeak out a nice win against Arizona. And they are minus three um, favorites versus the Buccaneers. Uh, Parks, you know, you are a big Bears guy as you cover them. Um, what are we right. looking at here as uh, Buccaneers coming off the – is it their first loss this season? I believe so, yeah. It is, yep. And now they're on the road, and they have a bye week coming. And I'm starting to think, and I actually wrote something about it, that this might be the end of the Fitzpatrick. Yeah, this might be the end of it. And so I mean. Sad. Look at the Chicago Bears track record so far this season. Um, first game, you knock Aaron Rodgers out. I know he, he comes back, but, you know, whatever happened to him, you knock him out. You know, you knock Sam Bradford out, and here comes Josh Rosen. And, you know, all of a sudden, here comes Fitzpatrick just oh, no. kind of teed up. Don't he's just teed up. He's teed up and ready to be knocked out of this game. And, you know, I was, you look at kind of how the Steelers got after um, Fitzpatrick in the first half, and it's something that I talked about is they just made things simple. Um, they're mixing up a lot of stuff, but they made things simple by the end of the day. So um, <laughs> Fitzpatrick really is at this point kind of just throwing balls up. And, you know, Mike Evans is a superstar. Chris Godwin's a superstar. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how the Bears handle um, a lot of the slot play with, you know, Bryce Callahan's having a pretty big year, but it's going to be interesting. And it's going to be interesting because Kyle Fuller, um, his biggest issue is his ball skills. So, like I said, if Fitzpatrick. Fuller's going to blanket one of these receivers, but Fitzpatrick might just still just throw it up there. And in that regard, Fuller's at a disadvantage. So um, that's where you're kind of thinking maybe Fitzmagic has, you know, these moments. But at the end of the day, it's really starting to look like regression for him. And, you know, a lot of these that he's throwing up are just, you know, getting tipped. They're getting picked. You know, everything like that's starting to happen for him. And, you know, one thing I showed on uh, at FPC underscore Steelers is how, you know, throughout the game, the Steelers started mixing blitz looks up at him. And he started, you know, they would, uh, it was really John Bostic and Vince Williams. And, you know, Vince would kind of show blitz and he would, Fitz would point it out. And then, you know, Vince is showing blitz, Vince is showing blitz, ball snap. Vince is running back and Bostic is blitzing. And the line is, you know, kind of sliding to Vince Williams' side and Bostic just gets home. 
So, um, you know, all of a sudden, who's out, who's on the other side, you know, Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith, um, just a lot of speed. You can mix up a lot of blitz with blitzes with them. Um, they attacked their guards like crazy. Um, Cameron Hayward had a really big game against their guards in their interior. So, you know, Akeem Hicks is right there. Khalil Mack, I think, you know, he's on track to be the defensive MVP. And I mean, all of a sudden you're starting to think about, you know, MVP votes for what Khalil Mack is doing, you know, depending how far this team could get this season. Cause, uh, this defense is going to be really good. And um, I do think, you know, maybe the Bucks get a few splash plays. Maybe they get a few points on them. And I think that's why, this, you know, the total is a little high. But at the end of the day, um, maybe it's a get-right moment for Mitchell Trubisky a little bit. Or maybe it's a confidence moment for him. Because I've talked about relentlessly how banged up and depleted this Buccaneer secondary is and how it should be just be, you know, easy for the Steelers to move up and down the field on them. And they kind of folded in the second half or kind of, you know, closed it up a little bit in the second half. But um, yeah, the Steelers were putting it on them. And I don't think, you know, Trubisky has to necessarily put it on them, but I think that you can game plan around a lot of weaknesses in the secondary. Um, you know, Chris Conti got abused to the point where he's done for the season. Poor guy. <laughs> yeah, that was, so, that was so sad. But I mean, at the end of the day, Listen, this team should have drafted Derwin James because Chris Conti was, you know, the only player on the roster. And I I said that I said that for a very long time. And you should not go into a season with Chris Conti as your starter. They're going to go to Jordan Whitehead and, you know, uh, a pit guy. And he's a high upside athlete. But, you know, you already have a rookie in the slot. You already have another rookie on the outside. Or he's, you know... Between Brent Grimes and Ryan Smith, you're kind of shuffling a lot of that because Hargraves is out. So you have a lot of rookies shuffling around in the secondary at this point. And, you know, they're not ready for it, I don't think. Um, you know, it's Mitchell Trubisky, so, you know, how much can he really take advantage of this team? But I think they're going to put Allen Robinson in the slot, who is going to stand over MJ Stewart, and they're just going to pick on him a little bit. And that should open up some of the running game. I think they're going to try and get the running game going. And, you know, the fact of the matter is the Bucks have no running game. They're just so one-dimensional. So, I mean... Right, a one-dimensional team against the best defense in the NFL. Like, there's no way I'm going. I'm going with that team. So, um, yeah, like Kyle Fuller might struggle a little bit. I know Prince of Mukamara might be out too, but um, I really do. I think the pressure and the blitzes, and it gets to Fitzpatrick, and he throws a couple stupid picks, and you know the the uh, Bears roll in this game with you know pick six or two, and we kind of just say you know it's Jameis time. So that's really that's really how I'm feeling this game. I'm definitely looking to the Bears, and I can't say you know like I said that total's high, but I truly think that you know Fitz can you know put up some points on this team, but I also think he's going to throw you know pick six and or he's, he's going to turn the football over and put the Bears in some advantageous situations. So that's where I'm kind of staying off of the total. Damn. Oh, future RIP to Fitzmagic. No, it's been a good run for him, you know. I guess he's uh, he's dead now. So it's Jameis time. Jameis time. All right, so you're definitely like leaning Bears there, and possibly a pick in the future. Yeah, I haven't made it, but yeah, definitely. Like I said, you got to be on uh, checking our Twitter at Odds On Invest. So uh, check that out, and we'll definitely be putting all all our picks. But yeah, I'll probably be on the Bears. Boom, love it. All right, let's move on. Uh, the last one o'clock game uh, features Carson Wentz in his second start after coming off a nice little victory. And they go into Nashville, Tennessee to play the good old Tennessee Titans where uh, Marcus Mariota is, uh, I think, probable at this point, and he should be back. And uh, as for the Eagles, it looks like Ajayi is also probable. Um, this line is minus four Eagles, the road team, and the over-under is 41. Parks, what are we looking at here? Both teams are coming off uh, wins here. Yeah, I'm starting to be tennis, a Tennessee guy here, and I'm going to be on Tennessee in the under most likely in this game. Um, and, you know, it just seems like, you know, listen, I said it on the other podcast. They're 2-1 and one 
They're 2-0 in the AFC South, and they beat the two teams in the AFC South that everyone thought was going to win the AFC South. So, like, they're better than people think they are, and still they're, you know, they're getting more than a field goal at home at this point. So, um, it's just, to me, it feels a little disrespectful, so you got to be looking to Tennessee in this spot. I talk about Carson Wentz, you know, last week and why I was on Indianapolis, and it pretty much exactly was what I thought it was. Um, and I talked about on the recap podcast, you know, what makes this bet a little scarier is – um, Wentz played well. He, you know, he looks like he really knows this offense. He looks like he's gonna, you know, get involved in this offense, and he's gonna be healthy here soon enough. But he's still figuring a lot of the stuff out. Um, he's still struggling to maneuver the pocket in some ways. And you know, I think this Tennessee pass rush with their four, you know, rotating pass rushers are gonna get after him a little bit. So I think that they can, you know, the big thing they can do is contain him into the pocket. And then you have a guy like Jarrell Casey in the middle who could kind of force things in the pocket. So, I, you know, I, I really like what Tennessee's doing defensively. And, you know, they did it to everybody's favorite, Deshaun Watson, and they did it to Blake Bortles. So, I mean, I like what they're doing defensively, and I think they're going to continually be able to do it. Um, the thing with Philly is they have, you know, their tight ends, and they started to get uh, Goddard involved last week. Um, right, yeah, which is good. But, you know, you look at Tennessee, they're, they're struggling against tight ends, or they're actually pretty good against tight ends, but they haven't played anybody. But you look at their matchups, you know, I like Rashawn Evans. I think he's more, you know, of the downhill running back type of guy. Like he would be shutting down a Jai. But um, I also said Jayon Brown and Wesley Woodyard. You can kind of pick your spots there, and they have really good safeties in uh, Vicaro and uh, Kevin Bayard. So um, I think they can mix and match and you know kind of handle their tight ends. So um, you know, really, just I think the defense of the Titans could have some success against the Eagles' offense, who. You know, every week they haven't shown what we, you know, we keep thinking the Eagles offense is going to have this big week and, you know, oh, Carson Wentz is back, big week coming. And, you know, it still hasn't happened yet. And Alshon's still not here. Um, it's going to take some time and it's definitely not going to happen in uh, Carson Wentz's first road game, you know, against a pretty good defense. And like I said, this team is very well coached in the Tennessee Titans. So I'm really interested about that one. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I'm looking for at this point. I mean, obviously the Tennessee offense, um, and why you're looking under is because, you know, it's going to be hard for them to score. Marcus Mariota is getting back, but there's like no semblance of a passing game. And it really starts with him. You know, he's inaccurate because like I said, he has that tingling in his hand. So every time he throws it, it's, it like hurts a little bit. But so yeah, like it's just like, it's not a good situation. But uh, Right. But Vrabel's been so smart with, you know, sticking with the run, taking his shots, moving the chains controlling the clock, everything like that. Um, I talked about they have a really smart offensive coach. He seems like he understands what he's doing. Um, I, I think it's going to be like the same score as the Colts game. Um, I know the Colts or uh, the Eagles won by four, but you know maybe it could be the other way around. I think Tennessee could really be a live dog here. So I'm definitely looking Tennessee, and I'm definitely looking under. Ooh, all right, here it's there. We'll see if uh, one of those are official picks or not. But let's move to the four o'clock games, and we have the classic AFC West battle of the birds: the Seahawks and the Cardinals. Uh, the Seahawks roll into Arizona, and they are three-point favorites. Uh, Bears did their part, and we finally have Josh Rosen starting, and I'm super stoked. Um, Seattle coming off a win, and Will Disley didn't do much. Uh, didn't bring him up on a recap pod, but. Seahawks <laughs> might get <laughs> Uncle Will didn't do much, uh, but the Seahawks might get uh, Doug Baldwin back. Uh, David Johnson looked like he was a little more part of the offense there. So Parks, what are we looking at here in this AFC, uh, this NFC West battle? It's over for Uncle Will. <laughs> I know. So <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see. I mean, it actually might. It, 
might be a decent matchup for him. I know, you know, Trubisky missed Burton on a bunch, so uh, could be a good one. But, I mean, I want to take Arizona. I really do. It's just hard. Um, and, you know, it's it's Josh Rosen and the 0-3 team. And, you know, the one good thing for – or the one, you know, negative, if they were 0-3, they also covered last week. So, at least they have that going for them. They're not that vaunted 0-3 against the spread as well team. But still, you know, 0-3, really looking for that win against a division team, against a team that I think is phony – in the Seattle Seahawks, and, you know, they just got their first win, and they beat Dallas, and everyone's like, oh, they beat that Dallas defense, they must be back, and, you know, I'm just sitting here like, I don't think Dallas' defense is that good, and I don't think Seattle's that good for, you know, <laughs> like, none of, none of this is that impressive to me, and we're all just, like, flaunting over it, but, you know, and yeah, you look at the look-ahead line, and uh, Seattle was minus three last week, you know, we were all kind of, you know, maybe, I think, we all kind of, I think I knew that, you know, at this point, Josh Rosen would be starting too, but, uh, yeah, you know, Rosen's starting, and it didn't change at all, so, you know, you're hoping that Rosen could put some life into this team. I know that, you know, the the big issue is that, you know, Earl Thomas is, you know, he's not practicing or anything, which I think is whatever, but uh, he's like the smartest player in the NFL, or he's like one of the best players in the NFL. And he had two picks again on uh, Sunday. I know he had a pick in his first game. Um, I'm pretty sure, I think he pitched, I don't think he picked Trubisky, actually. He might have, though. But yeah, you go through, he has like a pick every single game, and he had two last week. And, you know, you don't think he's going to pick off Josh Rosen who, you know, he's known, Josh Rosen is known for, you know, he thinks he's the man and he thinks he can make every single throw. And Earl Thomas, you know, whether or not Earl Thomas is practicing, I'm sure he's watched a lot of Josh Rosen tape and he knows exactly how to, you know, bait Josh Rosen into one. So, you know, that's where you're starting to get a little nervous about it. Bobby Wagner's healthy. So, you know, he's probably going to do damage in this. It's still a very predictable running game for the uh, Cardinals. They at least got Johnson involved in the passing game a bit. But, um... Yeah, like, thank the Lord, but uh, still, it's like, it's not enough even, yeah. and it, it was still predictable in how they did it, so um, I don't love that, and then KJ Wright's practicing, so, you know, between Wagner in the running game and Wright in the passing game, they really do have a good staple for, you know, figuring this team out, but, uh, yeah, then you look to, you know, you said Doug Baldwin's practicing, but um, I said Buda Baker uh, has been pretty good this season, and he'd probably be lined up in the slot, so that'd be an interesting little matchup to look into. And then, you know, the two players for Arizona, um, Robert Incandice or whatever his name is, um, he was a first-round pick a few years ago, and we kind of all forgot about him. But he had a really good game against the Bears. And, you know, against this defensive line or offensive line of the Seattle Seahawks, I'm kind of looking for um, him to, you know, maybe string some stuff together. And, you know, that could be a good little matchup for them. And they also got Marcus Golden back who, you know, across from Chandler Jones, that's a really good pass rush. So, you know, there's really no way I'm looking into Seattle on the road in this spot. But at the end of the day, like I said, you're taking um, Rosen against Earl Thomas and you're taking David Johnson against Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright. So probably looking under. I know I'm pretty sure that one's pretty low too. But um, yeah, but still, (laughs) you might be looking under in this one, to be honest, because yeah, I think they're going to get after Russell Wilson with, with the pass rush. But I also think, you know, Josh Rosen is going to turn the football over. All right. Well, there it is. Uh, I hope Josh Rosen the best, though, because I'm a big Josh Rosen guy, as I've been told. Uh, <laughs> but let's see what happens there. All right. Well, let's move on to a nice little AFC matchup as we have the Brownies off their first win Thursday night going all the way to the West Coast against the fully defeated Oakland Raiders here. Um, John Gruden, I mean, he's – if, if you didn't know, the, the Raiders have had uh, a lead going into the fourth quarter, I think, every game, and they're 0-3. So I, I don't know what it is, but they just completely fall apart in, in games. And uh, now you have the Browns in town. Uh, the Raiders are minus three favorites. 
and Baker is starting for the Browns. The over-under is 45. Uh, Parks, what are we looking at here? Um, yeah, you know, the, the situation's calling for Oakland or pass. You know, like you said, Cleveland coming off, you know, not just, you know, a win on Thursday night football, but the win on Thursday night franchise football. franchise history. Right. And, you know, now Baker Mayfield's, you know, is he a top 10 quarterback? You know, all that. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're getting all crazy about Baker that. Train. We, we will see. Um, I do like Baker, but I definitely think there's going to be some growing pains. But um, to be honest, I mean, against Oakland, he's in a decent little spot. And, you know, you said you, you're not sure about that halftime or, you know, why they struggle to blow leads. I totally, it's totally on Gruden. And it's totally, you know, the coaches he plays make adjustments while he doesn't throughout the game. That's just what's going on. You know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Gase just pretty much admitted to it in his press conference. Just you know said that how you know he, the plays that he branched off of from the first half to the second half led to that first you know second half comeback. It's just it's say McVeigh did the same thing to him. So this is just you know, but you go into this matchup and you know Todd Haley and Hugh Jackson. You know I don't think that you know whereas Adam Gase and Sean McVeigh could really outsmart John Gruden. Um, I don't know if Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley can. So, you know, lines, dude. Wow. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> some of the, some of the best. So, um, but yeah, that's why you're looking to Oakland, you know, back at home, they're that Owen three team that just can't seem to cover or do anything right. Or they did cover once against the Denver. So, um, they did cover once, but still, you know, Owen three really, you know, if the, if the Browns beat you on the road and, you know, Baker Mayfield beats you on your first road start and you go to Owen four, it's it's you know it's it's already yeah, over but uh yeah like all of a sudden you're thinking about Owen 16 type of stuff Yikes. so um you're gonna get the all out you know Oakland Raiders in this spot and um the fact of the matter is you know their defense the Browns I talked about it's really good it has a lot of talent they're still getting crazy turnover luck like crazy turnover luck and uh Ted Nguyen of the Athletic had something where um he did a really good piece about how Derek uh, Derek Carr last week had some really bad turnover luck in terms of his turnovers. So, you know, something tells me that, like, it's going to kind of transform and, you know, the Browns aren't going to get turnovers and Carr is going to protect the football because Carr is known for protecting the football. And the Browns, you know, are just – it's ridiculous how many turnovers they're getting. You kind of assume at some point it's going to stop. So, I think it will be, you know, Oakland protects the football. You know, they're going to do the same thing that I keep saying with Gruden – um, you know, come out with a pretty smart game plan, run the football with Marshawn Lynch, use their interior line to just beat up. You know, I think Larry Young and Joby, who I like, is hurt. But the fact of the matter is, you know, the Browns run defense. They kind of sold out this offseason, sold some run defense and bought some pass defense, which is a good idea. And it's why their pass defense and their defense is playing a lot better than it was last year. But um, Gruden early is going to get out on you on the running game he has for three straight weeks. So he's going to do that again. And then... Um, yeah, he's just going to try and salt this lead away. The good thing for Gruden is um, he's going to be able to, the Browns don't really follow cornerbacks, so he's going to be able to move Cooper around in this game. And, you know, we talked about he did it with Jared Cook. Jared Cook will be on Jabril Peppers this week, so you're kind of selling Jared Cook this week because I think Jabril's starting to play really, really well. So you're selling Jared Cook, but I think you're buying back on Amari Cooper. I'm pretty sure Cooper had like a bad week and a good week and a bad week. And I truly, you know, the matchups keep bad. dictating. Yeah, so I think he's back for a good week this week, Cooper is. So um, I think Carr protects the football. He gets Cooper involved a little bit. Um, you got Paul Gunther, who is the former uh, Cincinnati uh, defensive coordinator against Baker Mayfield, the rookie quarterback, and Todd Haley, who, you know, um, how well does you know Todd Gunther and Todd Haley know each other extremely well. So um, I do think that that's a little bit of an advantage due to the rookie quarterback for Paul Gunther. 
Um, you know, the big question is um, if Cleveland's going to, you probably want to, the idea would be probably to take Oakland in the first half. And I'll probably be looking to take Oakland in the first half too. Nice first half line. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It'll probably be like Oakland minus one and a half and they'll go into that thing like up 13 to 10 or something, or, you know, even like 13 to three and they'll probably lose like 17, 16 or something. So, um, but the two things I'm looking for in terms of Baker Mayfield getting it back. I do think Gunther will mix blitzes early, and I talked about how I want to see Baker Mayfield set protections. That'll be really fascinating in the first half. But like I said, how he adjusts to it, and the two players that I'm looking for are David Njoku and Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson's been straight up invisible so far, but um, you're wondering if you know maybe Baker could not only put life into this offense, but put some life into him because he's in such a great matchup. And if he doesn't expose the matchup, they're going to lose. So, you know, you got to find a way to get Duke Johnson involved. Same with David Njoku over the middle with these linebackers. Um, I know he's been kind of hit or miss this season. Um, you're really looking for a hit for him. If you don't get it, they're going to lose, honestly. So that's what you're really looking for in terms of the Cleveland Browns, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, for Njoku, I'm starting him in fantasy this week. I'm hoping he just uh, goes off because Ingram died for me. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, you ha- you have to start. I mean, or you have to assume that Baker's going to go to him in this matchup. Yeah, they're boys. You know, I figured he'd like him. Got to be. All right. Well, let's move on to another game here. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, uh, they just lost Jimmy G. Gorgeous Jimmy. R.I.P. <sighs> Jim. Uh, so our new quarterback is one and only C.J. Beathard. And uh, they're rolling down to get old San Diego to the StubHub Arena in the little tiny-ass soccer stadium to play <laughs> play the Chargers here. Uh, the Chargers are 10.5-point favorites, and the over-under is 46. Parks Chargers uh, come off a tough loss against the uh, Rams there in the Battle of L.A., and then as did the Niners as they lost to one and only my homies, the gods. And yep. uh, what are we looking at here? This one's so tough, and it's just like pretty much a pass for me at this point, especially without too, too much of the injury reports. You look at San Francisco, you know, it's not just Jimmy. You know, Sherman's out a few weeks. Um, Colbert left with a shoulder. Uh, their strong safety tart missed last week. Uh, Akello, their starting cornerback, has some foot stuff. So that's literally one through four in their secondary might be out this week. So, you know, you've got to look into that extremely hard. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just so questionable, you know, the one thing that typically happens in the NFL when a team loses their quarterback like that, um, they usually show up the very next week and they play, you know, their best game. And it's, you know, the Ewing theory by Bill Simmons. If you Google that, you kind of look into how teams kind of rally around losing a player. But when it comes to like a star quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo, it typically happens for like just one week. You know what I mean? So like if, if there were ever a spot for San Francisco, it would be this week. It's just um, on the other side, you know, you have the Chargers who, like I kind of said, um, really probably wanted that game against the Rams to kind of show that they're here and, you know, kind of got kicked to the curb a little bit. So um, they're kind of looking, you know, they kind of have to prove themselves and the schedule kind of sets up for them to have a decent little um, run here potentially if they could get their act together. Um, and, you know, what a great chance to get your act together then against CJ Beathard. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's just so tough. Um, I, th- I do think, you know, the big plays here are probably Mike Williams and Keenan Allen in fantasy. Um because, like I said, that secondary is just going to be so questionable. So um, you're really looking into those two in fantasy. And then, yeah, I'm just so – I don't trust either side yet. Um, Got to look into the injuries. Um, I mean, you're maybe thinking San Fran or pass because um, Chargers are probably licking their chops a little bit. And, you know, before they get – you know, they're kind of gathering their feet here. So, you know, they probably win by 10. And, you know, I think the spread's like 11 at this point. So um, I haven't looked into it too much, but that's kind of how I'm, I'm viewing it at this point. Well, as you said, uh, that matchup with Mike Williams, I just changed uh, and put him in my fancy line. So, 
I had him or yeah. him or Lockett, so I was like, yeah, you know, what do we do there? Yeah, because um, Lockett might be seeing a lot of Patrick Peterson. He lines up a lot on uh, on that side. I would, I would, I really definitely be going for Mike Williams. I think he has a touchdown in what two or three straight weeks. Yeah, I believe him. Look at it here real quick. I think it's three. He's two touchdowns in week three. Uh, ESPN sucks. But yeah, he's a monster. Yeah. Yeah, and I really I think it's a good little matchup for him. And like I said, this is where if you're the Chargers, you're kind of you know getting back on your feet, and you're getting a guy like him involved in the offense. So um, I think you know he's only had while he's had those great touchdowns, it's been on like three or four catches. So um, maybe you see like a seven for ninety six type of game Ooh. from him. Well, yeah, we'll see. That's, that's my big bold call for the week. Yeah. All right, uh, let's move on to the last four o'clock game, and in my opinion, this is the only relevant game in this four o'clock game because everything else sounds really boring. A and we bit, have yeah. the good old Nyland Saints coming off that big win against the Falcons. They're rolling up to the Big Apple. They'll play good old Mr. Alzheimer's himself, Eli Manning. We have an over-under of 50. This is going to be fun. Uh, the Saints are three and a half point favorites. Parks, uh, what, are we, what are we looking at here? I mean, this is going to be a little bit of, of some fun action. Yeah, I'm looking for the Giants here. And, you know, when you kind of break down the Saints' schedule, the way it goes, you know, you get the Bucks at home, and they just, like, throw a haymaker at you, and you're back and forth with them, back and forth, you know, all game. What a crazy game that was, you know, all the way down to the wire against a division rival. And, you know, you kind of pick yourselves off the mat, and, you know, you're thinking you're going to beat the crap out of Cleveland the next week. And, you know, all of a sudden Cleveland's defense is a little bit better than you thought you they were. And you're in a dogfight that you really should have lost, you know, considering the field goal exchanges at the end of that game. So, you know, wire to wire, wire to wire. And then you go to Atlanta and, you know, I talked and I, we were on the Saints because I felt like they were, you know, in that, you know, must almost a must win situation or a need to prove themselves situation considering how those first two weeks went. And then what does it do? It takes them wire to wire again. Um, so not only, you know, you have three wire to wire games, you also have, you know, uh, three, three dome games on top of that. And you also have two division games. So you have a lot of dome, a lot of wire to wire, a lot of division. And now you go to the road on some, you know, outside stuff against a team, not in the division. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's tough to get yourselves up for that game. And I've talked about teams like, uh, the Packers, you know, and that was a great little spot. It was almost, it's very reminiscent, you know, the Packers head into Washington and just getting their butts kicked after, you know, uh, Minnesota and Chicago and, you know, wire to wire games in those situations. It's just like that last week, only now you're getting it with the Giants. Um, and yeah, I talked about last week, I thought the Giants did a good way of against the Houston Texans, at least spreading their defense out because the, de- the Texans are so weak right now on defense and they're in their back end. So the Giants were able to spread them out and Eli was able to isolate quick matchups. And it helped the offensive line and it helped Eli, you know, greatly. And it got Saquon involved in the passing game, which they haven't quite done yet, but they're doing a little bit more. So, um, yeah, Evan Ingram's out and that sucks because if they have Ingram in, I talked about how they could keep five guys on the field and just shuffle matchups and really expose some things, um, especially against the Saints defense. Because like I said, they benched, uh, they benched Crawley just to bench PJ Williams, just to throw Crawley back out there. You know, that's what they're, you know, that's what they're trying to figure out in their back end. So, you know, they could really, you know, figure some things out. If you had Ingram, it'd be great. Rhett Ellison's playing well, but he's playing well in terms of, you know, he can play inline and block. So you would like one more piece out there. You know, it's probably going to have to be a guy like Cody Latimer or, you know, someone like that. But um, this offense could really get things going. You know, Marshawn Lattimore, 
You expect he's going to follow Odell, but the thing is, they move Odell so much. And like I said, they, they will move him in motion, you know, for jet sweeps. They will move him into the slot. They will move him. I think they will, you know, potentially get him in the backfield at, at some times, throw Saquon out wide. And then, you know, it's like, what are you doing with Lattimore? You're having communication issues in the back end with the Saints defense, who, you know, is already, this is three straight weeks that they're really struggling in terms of their communication. So, I mean, um, really looking, yeah, for the Giants in this spot and looking for the over because, you know, at the end of the day, the Giants defense still isn't showing us anything to buy into and the Saints offense is showing us everything to buy into. I know, like I said, they were all on domes or they were all in domes, but the fact of the matter is, you know, with the Saints defense, the way that this game is probably going to go is, you know, they punch them in the mouth at the Giants a couple times probably and, you know, it's like 14 to 3 and, you know, you can't get it going, you can't get it going and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, in the second half, the Saints find some life and rally back. And, you know, you're probably looking for over in that regard. But yeah, that's kind of how I'm looking in, in, into this game is looking for the for the Giants to kind of hang, you know, two quick ones on them with that poor defense of the Saints. And then, you know, potentially, you know, forcing Breeze on the road um, against the turf, you know, because the Giants defense is so bad that, you know, Breeze can come back from that 14-0 hole. Um, but the Giants kind of, in my opinion, have to and probably will get out to that get out to that big lead early. So I'm looking to the Giants, and I'm definitely looking to the over um, early into this week. Ooh, I like it. Uh, you got Saquon versus Kamara, and then Michael Thomas versus Odell. Should be a fun one. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, let's move on to the Sunday Nighter as we got our Pittsburgh Steelers, and they got a nice little division rivalry, the classic Steelers-Ravens rivalry. <laughs> Uh, it looks like the Steelers have a minus three uh, favorite, and they are the home team, so it's classic. Looks like an even matchup here. Uh, this over-under, I think I saw, was the highest over-under Vegas ever had in since like 1978 or whatever. Uh, wow. 51 is the over-under. Parks, this may not be your uh, classic uh, barn burn here. This looks like it might be a little bit of a shootout. Yeah, pretty much. In, uh, you know, in terms of the to- side, in my opinion, um, I think it is going to be that classic Ravens Steelers. And I was kind of thinking beforehand, like this is one of those games where like you like Steelers minus two and a half, but you like the Ravens plus three and a half. You know what I mean? It's just like, that's just how it goes with these teams. But the fact of the matter is, yeah, this isn't your old school Steelers Ravens, you know, um, Ray Lewis, Heinz Ward, you know, hitting each other in the mouth, you know, in between the hashes type of stuff. Uh, it's going to be spread them out, throw it all over the field. Um, you know, which one of these defenses makes a you know big mistake or something along those lines. You know, you kind of look to the Ravens right now. Um, Brandon Carm is practiced today with a knee injury. Um, Willie Henry's missing some time. Michael Pierce is missing some time. Those are two um, of the rotational rushers on the inside. So, you know, um, already C.J. Mosley. I know C.J. Mosley was limited this week, but um, you could really run the football on the Ravens if you wanted to potentially. But then, like I said, Brandon Carr is out. So really, Marlon Humphrey, you know, if you follow Marlon Humphrey with Antonio Brown, it's going to be interesting. But if they do follow Marlon Humphrey with Antonio Brown, um, Juju Smith-Schuster is just going to pick on, it doesn't really matter who it is. You know, if it's Brandon Carr or whatever, um, he's going to have um, a huge day potentially. Um, and, you know, the fact is, if you put Juju into the slot, the, the Ravens are just getting torched in the slot right now. You know, we just saw... Um, Tyler Boyd had a huge game in the slot on Thursday night football. And then Emmanuel Sanders, I mean, I, Case Keenum really ruined that game, but Emmanuel Sanders could have had a really huge game in the slot. So, um, you know, wherever you can put Juju, like I, it, if Marlon Humphrey's on Juju, it's at least a better matchup. 
But then, yeah, if Marlon Humphrey's on Juju, Antonio Brown is just going to, I mean, it's just going to be crazy. So um, it's tough. And, you know, you got to see if they could get Henry and Pierce back, they could at least defend the run. Or, and Mosley, I mean, it doesn't, if they don't even get, if they get Mosley back and they don't get Henry and Pierce back, it doesn't, you know, Henry and Pierce aren't too big of losses. But with all three of them combined, or, you know, if you don't get Mosley, the key piece, um, and they're going to be able to run the football, the Steelers should be able to move the ball. And legitimately every single way, um, I'm pretty sure Weddle was missing time too, uh, was missing practice as well. So they should be able to move the ball in every single way. It's just with the Ravens, um, they the Ra- Joe Flacco has typically played well, um, not only against the Steelers, but in Pittsburgh. He just seems to, you know, whatever it is about Renegade, it, it used to get to him and it doesn't get to him too much anymore. And um, he's been able to, you know, I think the last time they played, um, it was a game without, you know, in the post Shazier era, and I'm pretty sure Flacco hung 30 on him. And, you know, it could be a very similar situation in this regard. And I mean, I think John Brown will probably have a pretty big game because, you know, um, he, he might be on, if he's on Joe Hayden's side, it would be tough. But I mean, on the other side, they're just going to attack deep, you know, whoever it is, whether it's Cameron Sutton, Cody Sensabaugh, Artie Burns, John Brown should just destroy in that matchup. Um, and then, you know, you wonder if Mike Hilton, he missed practice again this week. If he's out, you have to put Sutton into the slot. And then that, you know, that left side is just a huge mismatch. But um, if you could get Hilton into the slot, um, you at least have some, you know, you at least have some decent coverage in that regard. Uh, you know, the Ravens are probably going to try and run the ball a little bit, but I don't think they're going to, you know, they're going to have their success in that regard. But yeah, the end of the day, it's just, you know, who can stop who? I think you're, you're looking Steelers because... You know, Flacco has the propensity to turn the football over. Um, the Steelers at home on prime time. You know, they were just on prime time, but still, um, you know, coming back for this huge game against the Ravens, they would really, you know, take right back control of the AFC North. Um, they're by far the healthier team. You know, they're getting Vance McDonald involved into the situation. Um, they're moving Ryan Switzer into the backfield, which you know that's kind of like a Philip Lindsay type of situation where you could really get him out into space. So. Yeah, it's really hard for this to you know see the Ravens stopping the Steelers, and it's just going to come down to you know how much can the Steelers stop the Ravens. You probably assume enough, you know, because like I said, with the home conditions um, on prime time, you know, you could kind of figure it out. But um, yeah, that's that's really you're probably looking Steelers and over in this game so far. That's what I'm looking at. Can't wait. Sounds good. I'm definitely betting what exactly what you said because I mean it is the lawyers, you know. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, look for some John Brown. Look for some uh, Juju and AB. I don't see how. The Ravens can match up man for man with Juju and AB. Yeah, no one really can, to be honest. Yeah, right. And yeah, I think the Steelers are getting right. You know, uh, people are questioning Big Ben, but, you know, he looks – he's getting it going. He, he's They're getting right. Yeah, minus that second half there. He kind of took a little snooze there, but uh, let's see if he plays a full game this time. Right, yeah, but he was efficient completing passes. He's not completing them, you know, deep down the field yet. Yeah, but I think fun. that you right. I think that with high efficiency and with Juju doing you know all of this after the catch and you know that just it gets them creeping in and all of a sudden it, I think they're going to be able to attack deep and it might really be in this matchup. Woo. All right, let's hope so. All right, let's move on to the last game on the slate, the Monday Nighter, as we have another division matchup. As we got Patty, the MVP odds-on favorite, Mahomes, my homies, uh, and the Chiefs. Minus five and a half, rolling up to mile high to play. Case Keenum in the Broncos. Uh, Parks, we have an over under of 56. This might be a nice, fun one again. Back-to-back high score Monday Nighters. What do you think? 
Yeah, and I mean, everything's kind of telling you you should probably take Denver. And it's kind of similar to San Fran where I just can't do it. Like, can't jump in front of this Mahomes train. And, you know, the more I'm thinking, I might just end up on Kansas City in this game. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's it's telling you, like, the situation's saying that this Chiefs team is 3-0. and Not only that, they're outproducing their odds or, you know, they're outproducing their expectations. And Patrick Mahomes is doing things that you know nobody could have expected him to do this has to fall down to earth when would be a good time for it to fall down to earth is on the road monday night football against a division rival who you know typically goes toe to toe with the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid so you know like it's calling for it but i you know i said before the season that Mahomes is this x factor and it's playing out exactly how i thought that like he's kind of breaking all the rules and, you know, that's what happened really, you know, um, like I said, against San Francisco, it called for the under and it called for San Francisco and Mahomes just doesn't care. And he went out there and, you know, it was it was Chiefs and over and like it's, it's kind of the same situation. And I can't I need to like it needs to be more than just the situation. Like I need to it needs to be like numbers, tape and situation. And then I'm there. You know what I mean? Like I need it all to kind of come together for me to bet on something. Uh-huh. You know, but so like, yeah, so like it's not the situation is calling for Denver, but the number in the numbers somewhat. But the fact of the matter is I don't trust Denver whatsoever on tape at all. And I, I've been saying it for a long time that I think Keenum has the propensity to turn the ball over and he has the propensity to put his team into holes. And he did it against Seattle and he did it against Oakland. And, you know, he pretty much, you know, he wasn't the reason they lost to Baltimore, but he helped in them losing to Baltimore. So um, and I talked about, you know, with Jimmy G and I talked about with Big Ben. The reason you lost to the Chiefs, those two could have beat the Chiefs. And I thought those two had really, and I bet on, I bet on Big Ben. I didn't bet on Jimmy G, but those two had chances to beat the Chiefs because um, you could get first downs, you could complete passes, you could go, you know, not necessarily shot for shot with him, but you could compete with him to the point where you're there at the end of the game with a shot. Um, I don't think Case Keenum can do that because, you know, it was Big Ben missing deep early. You know, punt, all of a sudden we're down 7 nothing. It was, you know, Jimmy G, George Kittle drops a pass punt we're down seven nothing you know it's just it's that quick so if case keenum throws a pick six it's just like (laughs) you can't have that you know it's just going to end in the worst way um you know the fact is you know you still have to you're playing sanders in fantasy you're playing uh what's his name in fantasy demarius you're probably even looking Cortland sutton in fantasy and you know you're looking back to philip Lindsay. i I guess it's being underreported because some people are asking me about Lindsay, but he punched the guy and got ejected. It wasn't he didn't get benched for Royce Freeman in that game. So um, I would and I would you know be even be looking for Royce Freeman because they're probably going to get goal line touches and that's how it's been for the Chiefs and that's why these games are even close at this point is that the Chiefs are just jumping on teams and it is the fact that um, you can't string together these early first downs or once you make one mistake and have to punt. The Chiefs just jump on you, and I think they're just going to do that again to Denver. So Denver's going to fight back. They're going to score their points because um, I don't see anybody stopping this team. And I mean, you look at Denver. I've already talked about. I don't trust their cornerbacks anymore. The way that you know people used to trust their cornerbacks and their safeties are. You know, it's Darian Stewart and uh, Justin Simmons. It's not the same thing that it used to be. So it's just you know a two and one team at home getting six on Monday Night Football just seems so easy. But at the end of the day, I'm still looking Mahomes at this point. Um, and I do think that it's because, um, like, he's just he's the rule breaker, man. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to break the rules with him. So we're going to, that's really what I'm thinking at this point. Uh, it's just kind of, yeah, going against the grain and going with Mahomes because um, I think he doesn't, you know, he's not a trend guy. I think he's going to break some of these trends. So, yeah, that's where I'm looking. My homies, dude. He is so oh, the other thing boy. is they suck. The Broncos suck against tight ends. Uh, I mean, that's just oh, – <laughs> yeah, geez. good luck. Good luck. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I was looking at Kansas City's like uh, 
matchups like for Mahomes wise and like right. he had, like the Steelers and then he had San Fran next week. But then I saw he ran into like Denver, which I guess they're a little overrated as a defense because I'm thinking of them differently. But yeah. uh, but these had, next couple games, yeah, yeah, Jacksonville next week. So I'm very curious to see how for real Mahomes is. So right, and that's why I haven't bet the Chiefs yet, is because you know. This is a big spot, and next week's a big spot. I'm pretty sure even the next week's a big spot, but um, I do, especially in this spot. You know, I could definitely see it come back to earth against Jacksonville because they're equally as fast and athletic as the Chiefs. But uh, we'll obviously get into that later. But I, I really don't think that Denver has the matchups in this game, and I don't trust Case Keenum to go shot for shot with Mahomes. You know, I I trust Ben and Jimmy. I do not trust Case Keenum. Yeah, Case Keenum uh, doesn't really hit that echelon as some of those other quarterbacks no. mentioned. <laughs> no, not quite. No. All right, well, that about wraps up the week four preview. Um, Parks, you, we'll have the, uh, the, the picks out on Twitter, right? Yeah, because I, I haven't done anything yet, but definitely looking Bears. Um, definitely looking to Tennessee in the under. Probably going to tease Tennessee in the under because, yeah, you get Tennessee up around 10. You know, you kind of really like that at home. Yeah, so um, looking into some of that. Probably going to end up looking into Mahomes on Monday Night Football, but that'll, that'll be later on. But, uh, yeah, that's where we're heading right now, but definitely stay on Twitter because um, – Probably it'll probably be Friday morning. We'll start to really start to post some of these, or Thursday, Thursday or Friday, we'll start to post them. All right. Well, there you have it. I mean, the kids on a, like a kind of a record pace at this point. I mean, you're killing it so far, Parks. So definitely uh, follow those plays. You know, get that free money. Yeah. Three weeks in. Uh, yeah. Like I always say, it's it's about what you do next. So that's what we're gonna keep grinding. Right. Gotta love it. Hard work mentality right there. <laughs> all right. Any last words, Parks? I'm all good. We'll see you guys on uh, Tuesday. All right. See y'all.